you'd like to contact the show, send us an email at liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com or get involved in the conversation on social media. Join the Pearl Jam Podcast community group on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at liveonfourlegspod. There's some good requests out there. There's one for, there's two for all or none. The, 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 uh, slight problem. We, we don't know all of that song. In fact, we, we kind of know none of that song. But we will work. We know a little bit of the or. Um, so we're gonna work on that one. Uh, but, uh, my family met uh, some nice people from Slovenia and um, we'd like to play this one for them. And away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring... Mr. Stone Gossett! Fucking camera in the truck. everybody now welcome to live on four legs a definitive live pearl jam podcast and well unfortunately all good things have to come to an end and this is the last episode of live on four legs so see you later no i'm just kidding the end is referring to the end of the 2023 tour of course and we'll be here until the world actually explodes so you don't have to worry about that we have a lot more to cover we've only covered like 20 or so percent of what's out there in Pearl Jam history, but the tour is over and that kind of gives us in the spot that we're in now a couple of days later and gives us a little bit more perspective on everything that did go down and sort of what the highlights are and maybe it being a little bit of a sneak peek of what the future could be, but also with what we're covering today, which is the Prague show from 2018, maybe there are similarities that we can contrast with that show from a very similar, it's not exactly similar type year, but again, this is the last year of the Lightning Bolt Tour. As we found out, this is officially the last Gigaton Tour. So in some ways, they do kind of counteract each other. So we will get into all that. It'll be a big theme for this show. It's also a Patreon request from Ross Struthers. So we thank him for bringing it to our attention. This is a nice little show. I think you guys will enjoy it. So let's start talking about it. Randy Sobel over here. John Farrar over there. Hello. hello. Hey, so now yeah. we're in a pretty good position. You know, we're able to kind of oversee the whole thing and the instant reactions are done. And now, you know, what you get from the instant reaction is just all the excitement 
that kind of builds and bubbles up. And then after the show, everybody's just like, whoa, this was amazing. This was amazing. And now we can kind of think about it in more of a retrospective. And it can't be that big of a retrospective covering a show five years later that we're going to do. But it's still giving a little bit more weight into the little things that happened and what this tour was actually about. Yeah, I was so impressed with the eight shows that they ended up doing out of the nine, obviously, with Indianapolis getting unfortunately canceled. But, you know, people have drawn comparisons to 2008 and 2015 and 16 and all that. But I don't think we've ever seen anything like this in their history. There's never been a tour like this where they've been this fan friendly and gone this deep and catered to the traveling fan and you know knowing that people are going to be following them throughout this whole journey and doing two shows in each night having them be different and breaking out all kinds of deep cuts that we hadn't seen in some cases since 2010 2014 2016 I wish we had double the shows that we had just so we could keep going and see like what else they were going to bring up. I was very impressed. I mean, the amount of energy that they showed, Ed sounded great. I can only remember one song that was even tuned down, maybe that first show with Go, but Mike, Mike, there were a few others, but not much. Yeah, yeah, very few and far between. Mike had an amazing tour, just outstanding. And Ed mentioned that a couple of times, which he talked about. But yeah, I mean, for a band 33 years in, you got to give it to them. They pulled out something really special for this couple of weeks. Now, although there are comparisons to 2008 and those other years that you mentioned, I think the best comparison to really put it up against is probably 2022 in a way because you're getting the same amount of time that they're playing shows and you're also getting the same amount of songs per night. The US that you're talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Mainly because, again, that's the the four or five in the beginning, the sit-down songs and all that. It's the same structure, generally. And I think maybe this feels more like that fan-friendly service because there is less. And because last year they wouldn't go to an Undone or a Marker in the Sand or a Comatose because they felt like after all that time, the hits were the really big things to focus on because there were so many people in every single location that weren't going to every single show that had been waiting for that for two and a half years or so. So I wonder if it just feels like that is a direct comparison to last year, because that's something we didn't get all that often. And we got even less gigaton. We didn't get all right at all. I think we just got buckle up one time. We didn't get river cross at all. Take Take the long way once never destination once hardly anything off a of gigaton you can barely even call it the gigaton tour at this point but yeah it's just a really interesting eight shows to talk about and we're going to get into a couple of them at the end of this year but when they come around in the queue it's going to be really interesting to go back and talk about them yeah and i think to my point that i was trying to make earlier and that i'm going to bring up right now is that today we got 2018 and i don't think this is really a tour known much for like the deep, deep cuts. 
It's known right. for kind of having the home away shows and people outside of the London show and the Rome show don't talk about. And, and granted, the mo- most people that talk are going to be stateside. There are going to be European fans that talk that we talk to, but in the majority, it's going to be the people that went to Seattle, that went to Chicago, that went to Boston and, and those places. But you don't hear about shows like Prague as much, even though this is the kind of set list that on paper looks very, very similar to something that they did in Fort Worth or Austin or one of those places. You get pretty early in the set. You're bringing out Brandon J. Not a very common song at all. They only played it a couple times that year. Tremor Christ. That's something that we got to hear this year. Dissident, which was really popular last year, but didn't get thrown into the fold at any show this year. A little strange. Love Boat Captain, another one that might be the moment from this past year. Help Help kind of had a little bit of the resurgence with the Help intro on that, and they brought that to Safeco as well, which was a great moment. Man of the Hour didn't get brought back this year, but that's another one that could have easily been brought to a show, and you could have said, wow, they are doing that fan service. This show has those hints and teases, and some of the differences that you, you can see is that Obviously, this is 26 songs in the set, and they were hovering 24 and maxing out at 27 from these nights. And time-wise, it's, I wouldn't say significantly less, but they hit two and a half hours at the show. And on average, it was closer to 215 to 220 that we had just got. So... I see a lot of similarities in that, but also there are little things that you can see within how the set list is constructed and with how the band is moving from song to song that feel like they completely sort of drop that now. Right. And, you know, in 2018, not that long ago, if you take out the three years that they didn't play at all, it's pretty recent history. But... I noticed that, too, when I looked at the set list to go over and cover. It's like, oh, a lot of these songs we saw pop up in the last couple of weeks. So there's a lot of things that are reminiscent of what happened last two weeks. It's interesting that this one would pop up right now. Yeah, no, it was not timed that way specifically, but it happened to fall into our laps really, really nicely. And glad to have this conversation here and share it with you guys. And I think... That another storyline that I don't know if it's gotten brought up yet, but going back and listening to this and taking in all eight of those shows and listening to all of it, you notice that a lot of the songs are pretty broken up, that whenever they go from song to song, they don't do a whole lot of immediate transitions. They stop for a second, maybe they change gear, like they pace themselves. This is an older version. If they were 55 then, they're 60 now. So that's a lot of aging in five years. Maybe doesn't look like a lot on paper, but your body's age and your mind ages, and it's a lot. So when I'm looking at this set list and I'm seeing State of Love and Trust in the Spin the Black Circle back-to-back without any sort of banter or any pause in between the two songs i don't even think that with a pause they would go back to these two back to back like this and i want to steer clear of saying that that's too much for them 
I think it's more strategic as they don't want it to be too much for them because it could at any moment fall apart. You lose Ed's voice a little bit and then you could be in trouble for the next couple shows. Thankfully, with the flu and everything like that, we fared pretty well. But those are two pretty big songs that Ed usually goes 100% on. And to get them back to back with a lot of the show, Ed's voice does get winded from time to time. You can tell he's still feeling the effects. It's only like two weeks out from that whole London situation where he had to cancel. And it still feels like he is feeling some of the effects. So. I think that kind of process sort of changed over time and maybe them sitting down after this year and saying, all right, look, maybe it doesn't work to play two extremely fast songs in a row like that right before the main set ends. You didn't see a lot of like the big punk rock sets, you know, they do like two of those and then move on to like a seven o'clock or something like that. And those are kind of the changes that we witnessed and they're small changes. I don't think they affect the set that much. I'm not bothered by it. I do love when songs can kind of ride the wave of momentum and and pick up like that. But that's also, I can accept that the new era is a little bit less of that. You know what I mean? It's good in both scenarios. They're so good. They make it work. Let's put it that way. Yeah. I mean, Ed's been much more deliberate and cautious going back to the U.S. like last year. You saw that continue into this year. We wondered if we would see the sit-down section continue, and we did. We know that they obviously like that going forward. I think you can probably see that going forward into next year as well because it works for them now. I feel comfortable with it. He knows how to pace himself now. And especially, yeah, you mentioned the two here, State and, and Spin, especially late in the set like that where you've already been going for over an hour. Like, yeah, you're not going to see that in a set nowadays just to give him a break. And, like, you give him credit because he's aware of his quote-unquote shortcomings. He knows what he has to do to take care of it. He's being very smart about it. They're not pretending they're in their 30s and blowing things out. They're not going all the way on the other side and doing the whole sit-down section and just giving up completely on some of these songs. But I think you're seeing them work through it as they go and figure out, okay, how can we make this sustainable with the limitations that we know he has now being 58, 59 years old and make it work for the next year into the next year into the next year and onward and onward. Look, I would be really disappointed sitting here in 10 years saying, man, we can't get any Pearl Jam shows because Ed did spin the black circle and stayed to love and trust back to back too many times in 2018 and 2022. It would feel like that would be a real missed opportunity if that were to happen. But look, it's the Neil Young thing. You can burn out or you can fade away. And it seems like this band is going to try for as long as humanly possible to stick in there and give you shows at their full 100% capacity that they can bring. And we're all here for it because I think obviously there's going to be a lot of people that pine for the older days where they were able to have that stamina. But you know what? You got to move on. You got to move on. And if you love this band and care about them, then you're ready to move on where they move on. So 
So this was the Patreon request from our longtime patron, Ross Struthers, and we're finally getting to it. So we thank him for bringing it to our attention because this is a really great show. And I think without the request, we probably wouldn't do it at any other point. We'd wait a couple of years or so. So I'm going to tell a little bit of his story and all stories are unique to everybody else's. And this is certainly unique to him. This was my first show and where the obsession truly began. I had been a fan since I first heard Even Flow in Guitar Hero 3 when I was 13 years old, and the 2018 tour was my first real opportunity to travel and see this band, considering it's been 23 years and counting since their last show in Scotland. Fingers crossed for a 2024 date. We're hoping for everybody, the sounds of Seattle, the whole Pearl Jam Scotland crew, that yes, that it happens. Marty, I'm on your side. You know that. I had traveled to Prague for the show with my girlfriend, and the excitement was real, and the show delivered. Love Boat Captain with the jam improv intro and help into help help were particular highlights on top of getting all the big hits that you'd want for your first show with some deep cuts sprinkled in. I've been lucky enough to see another six shows last year, but unlucky with the three cancellations and hope to add a few if we get another European tour next year and hopefully make the trip to the U.S. to see them at some point too. I hope you guys enjoy the show and I look forward to hearing your thoughts. Keep up the good work. Thank you so much, Ross. Nice little story there. Always good to have somebody come in with a request for their first show because that first show is always going to stay your first show and you're always going to have those first memories of seeing the first song you hear. In this case, it's going to be Pendulum. And I'm sure for him listening and what he's about to hear, he's going to go through a whole different range of emotions, taking him back to that moment, which, which is difficult to replicate no matter where you stand. But we're going to try and bring those memories back. So thank you, Ross. And hey, now it's time to get into the show. Real quick before we start, I do want to give a congratulations to someone who I think was at this show who ended up winning the Jam Duel competition. Shout out to Aurelian, our buddy Aurelian, who pulled it out at the very end by one point over myself and Michael Johnson. Shout out to Aurelian. Great job. That was a lot of fun. Hope everybody enjoyed that. And I think you had mentioned that that might be the way going forward. So look forward for that. Something similar for that next year, right? Yeah. Dave and I were pretty satisfied with how it all went. There were a couple of bugs that we'll have to fix for next year, of course. And when the tour gets bigger, obviously, we're going to have to change and make finite details to some of those rules. But yeah, congrats to Rillian. I'm not sure he had mentioned something about this show, but I don't know if he said he was there or not. I want to say he said he wasn't at this one. Hmm. But yeah, I mean, like, you can't get a better guy than him. So I'm, I'm just glad it went to somebody that a isn't gonna rub it in our faces or somebody that we actually don't know and and john that that that's me like looking over at your side because you got what second place in there i did did one point behind yeah nicely done but i'm glad we didn't have to get john on top and saying i'm the best for a full entire tour year I, I think that's a good thing for everybody. I give myself some credit. I'm a little more humble than that. I think I would have made. I would have brought it up maybe twice. You know, I am happy that I went from like 40th or something and then finished in seventh. So yeah, right obviously, I wasn't going to win the thing, but finishing in the top ten is a nice achievement. So 
to be honest, like 2018, this is kind of a personal storyline, but I was following along on every single show because that's how the whole fantasy thing got started. We did the fantasy leagues throughout the whole entire 2018 year. And I was watching all the live streams and putting it all together like, okay, this team has this song and figuring out all the points and everything like that. So that that is, I think, the first true year where I really heavily invested myself in the whole entire bit. It just didn't happen in 2016 or anything before that because I worked late hours and I went and saw the set list the day after. But, I mean, that was it. So... Yeah, just great memories from hosting fantasy on this year too. For anybody that was lucky enough to to play in those years, it was pretty wonderful. Pretty wonderful thing. All right, let's jump into Prague. Believe it or not, the opener of this show, being a lightning bolt era tour, is Pendulum. However, it was the pendulum that we know in 2013 2014 that was really getting opened with nine nights out of ten this year they only played it three times and that's in 26 shows so it didn't quite have that same staying power as it once did but i think what it turned into and kind of what we saw in the few times that it was played this year is that Once you get it again, and once it kind of loses that sort of repetition out of it, you are able to really fully invest and enjoy it because it kind of sits with you for a little bit and you wonder, okay, when are we getting Pendulum? When is this happening? And when it does, it's like that whole entire crowd that we saw on night two in St. Paul singing along doing that. I'm really getting into a groove with it where this song just excels and becomes something even greater than what it was back in 2013. I'm starting to realize that this might be the best song off a of lightning bolt, which I would not have thought 10 years ago. But as time goes on, it's had some continuity. It's had some staying power. And that was a great version this past couple of weeks. And this one is great, too. I mean, they're coming at it a little bit fresh. I love Jeff's bass runs on it. It sounds absolutely fantastic early on at the show. Yeah, Pendulum, like, not one I would consider, but it might be, like, the best and or my favorite song off of Lightning Bolt right now. Yeah, I think that's an argument, and I go back and forth. Look, I haven't listened to Lightning Bolt in a very long time, right. front and back, so it's, it's tough for me to judge because I'm going to look at it with 
different ears than I did back when the album came out. And ultimately, I would say that Pendulum is in the top three for me. But I also, I think what we're going to talk about in you know 10 minutes or so is that Lightning Bolt is still an amazing song. And it's just going to be one of those things where as time goes on, I think we're going to be missing that song more and more and more. So there is stuff on that album. But Pendulum, I think what happens is that they see something in it they focus on it and then because they see something and they're playing it and they're making it a moment everybody else catches wind of it and they say all right you know what we're all on board now we dig this as an opener it kind of sets a very eerie tone for the night mysterious and then in this situation when you transition right into nothing man that brings the crowd into a new sort of mindset of like okay we got the weird one now we get the one where everybody's involved and it's a cool dynamic between the two absolutely i love these two back to back like you're talking about a different era like two songs that are 20 years apart but that can fit together like this and pendulum is such a moody kind of vibe song that really builds and it builds in nothing man out this is very very well done nothing man's another really underrated one that they could play every night and i think people would absolutely love it i don't hear anyone ever getting tired of it yeah and it seems like the idea for nothing man moving forward that it might end up being an opener more often than not which i'm okay with of course But I do think it has value in the middle of a set getting a sing along after even flow or something like that. So I don't want to see it every single time it's played in the opening spot. We saw eight different openers in those eight shows. Right, right. And if they're saying that Nothing Man and Pendulum, for that matter, are part of the eight, then that's sort of the core for the openers moving forward, you would think, unless there's going to be a new opener on Andrew Watt record X, whatever you want to call it, that could fill in that spot, kind of like Pendulum did. What's interesting to me about this version of Nothing Man is that you hear in your left ear, the mic side part of your ear, you can hear Ed's echo reverberating off the walls. It must have been a really, really good acoustic place because it just seemed like the sound really meshed well and and mixed really well at this show. There's a really cool sensation of hearing that in your left ear of a little bit of the echo bouncing off and the crowd singing along at the same time. So your ears going through this thing where it's like, am I hearing Ed or am I hearing the crowd? You can hear little bits and voices as it goes on. It just gets like a little bit louder and there's a little bit of a juxtaposition with what Ed is doing and you have to listen to it. You have to really tell, but it's a really cool sensation putting those two together and kind of figuring it all out. I really love that about this version.
Yeah, listening in headphones is always interesting on these. I give this crowd in Prague a ton of credit. Like, very, very loud right from the beginning. You can tell when a crowd like this has that kind of energy and what it does to Ed. I think he came at one point he's like, oh, you know, my name's Ed, I get the energy back from you. And they are absolutely stellar on this version of the man, full-throated. And you're gonna see that build in the next couple of songs. I think that really elevates the show early on, the, the energy that the crowd has. And you can tell the band is on stage, like feeding off of that. For sure, for sure. So why don't we dig into the three kind of rockers that are gonna be kicked off here. Corduroy into Brandon J into do the evolution. And I think for me, the highlight is definitely Corduroy in this because I think, again, it has to do with how frenzied the crowd is. And like you were just saying with Ed, they feed off of that. They can see, they can feel, and they can react to it. And when they react to it, I think the crowd is uh, from the very beginning just jumping up and down and you can see like all in unison too it's a very very cool visual that feels just very unique to places like europe and south america that american crowds don't necessarily do that as much and that's a challenge to american crowds to hey go and do that you can do that if you're being safe and responsible but also, like, when they get into that whole breakdown and everything has changed, but also that call and response thing, like, that's all beating off the crowd. And, and it feels like they make that spot even longer and drag it out even more because the crowd continues to have that roar to him and they are continuing to feed off it there's no like okay get us to the next part like let's see what's next it's just they're feeling what's hitting them from the stage and it feels like the band in reaction to that is just feeling whatever's coming next and again another very cool sensation that everybody's kind of synced up with this yeah, that little jam in the middle is definitely extended. I think it goes on for at least two or three more measures than it normally does. And yeah, like you mentioned, it doesn't feel rushed. It doesn't feel like they're just doing it to get to the big moment. They feel totally comfortable just sitting on that and just letting it go. And you mentioned that crowd just bouncing. Like you can see them just letting that sit and just soaking up that energy. And it comes out of the end where they build that up and then shoot it back out of the crowd. Like this is a absolutely great great version of Corduroy earlier on the show, one of the highlights for me. When I heard this early on, I was like, oh, this is going to be a good one. I don't think I had listed this maybe since it came out, but this version of Corduroy definitely gives you that goosebumps feeling, especially coming off a tour where you're like, we, we heard some really good versions of Corduroy, so they were mixing it up a little bit, changing up the intro and everything. Like, it's like, oh yeah, that's, this gives me that same kind of energy.
triumphant. That triumphant feel that you've all accomplished something together, that everybody in that building was basically there to hear this song in this spot to get you going and make you feel like, here's the cliche, make you feel like you're at a Pearl Jam show. Everybody was sharing that moment. And I think that's what's so important about Corduroy as an overall entity that it can do that and it can create that energy. Brain of Jay and do the evolution to stone related moments back to back. And we are going to talk a lot about do the evolution very, very soon. We'll talk about that a little bit more later. It's interesting to me in this because one of the big facets of what we're going to end up talking about with do the evolution in a little while in the next week's time or so is that this crowd knows to do the South American inspired chant in this, the whoa, whoa, oh, and Ed eggs them on. And you know that it's going good when Ed convinces the crowd to do another round of it, because usually it's two and out, but this time it's three. You don't get any admire me, admire my home. It just goes back into it's evolution, baby. And they just roll with it. And that, again, that's more energy bottling up and shooting right out. Oh, this was a really, really good version of evolution. I think he says, I hear you. I think they got it. There's going to be some versions where he goes for that and then the crowd doesn't fall through. But yeah, this crowd is on it right from the beginning. Well, let's get into Tremor Christ. Ed says, Ahoy. And that's it. So I guess the sailor was a little winded because he doesn't really follow (laughs) up on that. Ayo. Tremor Christ is, along with Brandon J, like the two deeper cuts. For the night. And I think a lot of what I want to talk about with Tremor Christ is with Stone. But before I get into Stone, I think it is an interesting way to bring this up here that we got Tremor Christ for the first time in 42 shows this past year. But this version was held off from the last version only 36 times. So there is kind of a a trend with Tremor Christ that it does go through these large period of times. And and yes, after this version, they would do it again in Fenway. And that's where it would become 42 shows between Chicago. But this is kind of a trend for them to wait a little while. And then when they bust it out, it's going to feel like a special important moment again. And I think this version, the way this version sounds kind of all leads to people having a moment with this very early on in the set. Definitely. Ed sounds really good. I think there's one point he gives it to the crowd again, and the crowd again sounds great. But how about three Vitalogy songs out of the first six and two Yield? 
when you get that much Vitalogy and yield early on, you're going to get a crowd on your side very, very early. Those are records that a lot of people go back to, and especially like a deep cut like Tremor Christ. Everybody kind of steps back and goes, okay, it's going to be that kind of a show. So Javier is going to join us in just a second to talk a little bit about Stone on Tremor Christ, but I think my overall theme here from Stone very early on is that his guitar and some of the characteristic sounds that he's making feel very sharp and also very quirky. I noticed a lot of quirks within Pendulum that he was doing, which you don't necessarily recognize. And and some of the quirks that he was doing made it feel less of a mysterious version and more of just a straight up rock and roll song, which was kind of cool. But also like Brandon J, if you noticed in the verses, he's sort of playing him in the same way that he used to do whipping with that very like pogo, that dance, 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 like that kind of riff. I don't usually notice that in Brain of J. Maybe that's kind of an in and out thing once it comes to the later days. But it's an interesting look into what he's implementing this year. And that's why I wanted to get Javier on this so he can bring a little bit more depth to the subject and talk about exactly what kind of sounds are coming from his guitar and what he's using that make it feel this way. So why don't we throw it over to him for the first segment of the night? Hey Randy, hey John, hey everyone on the podcast. So for this week we're covering Prague 2018 and Tremor Christ. I mean, we got that in Chicago too. So the lucky ones that they were in Chicago night two, we got that one. Well, the interpretation of the song is on E flat this time. So Pearl Jam regularly plays on the key of E. So when you go half step down, which is in this case applies to the song, it will be E flat. So it's just to help its voice a little bit more in certain songs like you can hear it in Trevor Christ, Comatose, and sometimes like a full step down like Go and Marker in the Sand, which we got also in Chicago Night too. But anyways, so have you ever wondered like what's so unique about like Stone when he plays this type of song? And actually you can hear like a very unique tone throughout the show. It's just like regardless of the equipment the Stone has or whatever he's running according to the tour year, he always removes a lot of mid over his amp and he always goofing around and playing around with the tone knob and the volume control knob over his guitars. Now, another key element is the kind of pickup that he's going to be using. Stone is going to be using a little bit more driven, like a hamburger, like a PAF, and it gives on the spall. In 2018, he was running more reissues, 73s and 77s, with the tremolo, which is in this case is going to be the Bixby tremolo, but that's going to add more flavor to that uniqueness of the tone that he has. And also, over the years, he has been playing with his right hand a little bit more. There are certain songs that he's not going to be using the pick at all. So that's going to add that kind of like attack. It seems that they will have like a little bit of extra flavor, like a more like unique voicing, but it's 
this actually is just adding those elements and also adding that sharpness to the instrument that you can add by modifying the EQ, like adding a little bit more treble, removing the bass too. His guitar tone is not bassy at all. It's more like based on dynamics and the way that he's going to be playing so he can increase the intensity or minimize the intensity. Another really cool feature too that he always runs a volume pedal. So in this case, he can improve the overdrive or augment the overdrive based on that volume pedal or he can be completely silent so he's always going to be playing with that as well sometimes you can hear it like when the volume pedal is, is right in the middle that he's going to get a little bit more hunky or less present so yeah a lot of different stuff that he was doing around those years he still does it till this day but we wanted to kick off the week just talking about that because stone is always the unsung hero that he should be more named by everyone in my opinion all right thank you to the gear guru we will see you back for a big hit in a couple minutes or so so ed talks and check after tremor christ i'm not gonna go through and decipher that but he goes through and he's like you can tell he goes mike mccready on guitar stone on guitar and does that whole thing but it's leading into lightning bolt and i think from what i was mentioning before it's just nice to hear the song again it's not a talking point that it's been missed and i totally get why they aren't playing it because we talked about that san diego version where ed just could not come in anywhere close but you also see that here as well you know again he's two weeks out from the london incident it seems like there's some moments at the show where he loses a little bit of power in his voice and the residual effects yeah yeah and i think that kind of starts in lightning bolt and that's a really hard song for him to sing especially as he's gotten older but i also think that there could be an opportunity in the future that he could find a way to change it up whether it's down tuning it i don't know if i agree with that or not but i think there is a way that lightning bolt potentially could be one of these songs that get a tour debut at a random location in a set one year yeah i don't know I don't know if, if you'll get a groundswell of support for Lightning Ball. I mean, it had such a good run early on, and like early on, we were like, oh my gosh, this song's so much better live than on the record. It's going to be the one to translate, and it's going to be the one to really step up and become the big live song. And it did for a few years, and then it just kind of faded away. And yeah, the San Diego version is rough. I don't know if you ever see this again. They've reworked songs before to fit where their talents are hitting at a certain point in their career and the down tune for a song like lightning bolt might not have that special feel that it once did but they might for one night only be able to work with it and kind of give it its due and if it doesn't work then then they know for the future okay well we'll work on other songs and that's that we saw what like just three or four performances from lightning bolt total and they chose if that many just just two of pendulum two of minor man yeah, yeah that's it i don't know for some reason maybe there's more on the record i 
getaways, small hole, things like that, but I just don't know that it's worth it to rework Lightning Bolt songs at this point. You're not going to see signs for Lightning Bolt. Look, when I posted that thing last week that was showing every single song that was played and how often it was played these past couple weeks, and people looked at the Lightning Bolt album, they're like, oh, good, like, keep that away. But you know what? I think for Lightning Bolt, there might be some sort of nostalgia with it in five years. I'm not saying right now, but maybe in five years, people for that specific song, not for my father's son or, you know, I can see Let the Records Play coming back someday, but yeah, those other ones, probably not. And for this being still in the Lightning Bolt era, this is the last Lightning Bolt song of the show. So even at this point, they were starting to trail off from it. So they get it. But this one, maybe someday people will miss it again. All right, Ed Speaks here. He says, sometimes, not that this is happening in the United States, when you're having a horrible leader, it sure makes you remember how lucky you were when you had a great one. Interesting. Every single night he mentioned something about Trump, and we barely scratched the surface of political ed on this tour. He kept it very diplomatic down in Texas. Shying away from it. He had chances, but didn't do it. Yeah, I was a little disappointed by that. Yeah, I get it. Play Glorify G, play Whipping, but the whole Imagine thing and United, yeah, that's nice and all, but I want to see him piss. You know, I think we all kind of want him to feel what we're all feeling right now, which he does, but I think he's holding a lot back. But anyway, he says, I'm going to send this one out to the memory and honor of one of the great figures of the 20th century. He was a great fan of the Velvet Underground, Mr. Vakav Haval, who in fact was a dissident. So a dissident is here. And another good crowd moment from this too. They got to sing a little bit. Ed at the end kind of changes the line. tie into history there I, I like that a lot and again kind of on the same standpoint as spin a black circle and state of love and trust having lightning bolt and dissident in the set back to back probably not something that's going to transfer going forward those songs and again we didn't see dissident at all this year so mm-hmm. maybe that's something they were just trying to stay away from it does feel like more of a European song, though. Like, this dedication makes a lot of sense, and I can see them making more of a push for it in, in Europe. If we see some European shows next year or the year after, we definitely haven't seen The Last of Dissonant. I don't think so either. Yeah, I, I love this dedication, though. You know, you're hitting right on a beloved kind of figure in the area. Again, getting the crowd behind you it adds a little bit of weight to this performance, which Dissident probably sometimes needs. That won't be our last Czech Republic history lesson of this episode, just to let you know. Well, we're going to go back to back on Even Flow and Jeremy here, which feels like it's happened a ton this past summer, but not in this retrospective where it's like Even Flow in the Even Flow spot, Jeremy following up right afterwards. We talked about it in 1998 where it's like, oh, the MTV songs are back to back, but it's a little bit different now. So here's a good opportunity to go back to the gear guru here. And Javier's interested in talking about Evenflow, which he's actually going to package in with Black 
that's going to come a little bit later. So there's a pedal that Mike is using, this POG pedal that Javier's going to explain and gush over right here. And it's kind of got this little organ sound to it. So let's hear him talk about it and let's hear a little part of the song that he's talking about. So this is one pedal that I've been waiting a long time to talk to. So in between 2016 and 2018, Mike has his board like getting bigger and bigger and bigger. He was always adding new stuff. And actually there are pretty cool pictures when he was touring with Temple of the Dog of how loaded that board was. One of the really cool things that he was using around those years, unfortunately that was removed for the past couple of tours, is something that they call the POG or the POG pedal, which is a poly octave generator. You're like wondering what the heck is that? This thing can create so many different things to you. You can make the guitar sound like a 12 string, you can make it sound like it has a little bit of reverb, like a slapback, or even more extreme examples are just the fact that it can sound like an organ, like a B3 organ, or like a church organ that we can hear in another example is Yellow Moon. You can hear that effect there as well. In this case, the setting is based on like the 12 string setting, which adds a lot of sharpness and attack to the solo, and it adds a lot of intensity and bite. You can hear this on even flow. Later on, you're gonna hear this in black. So you have that, I don't know, like the scorching solo plus the tuba screamers and everything that he was using on 2018. But also you have that 12 string effect that is just so intense and it really like favors up the interpretation plus what everybody else is doing. I think we should add a filthy feel for Madden this time because in the way he is crashing that ride, it makes the song super, super intense and super enjoyable to listen to. So yeah, this is the one that I've been waiting a long time to tell you. So if you have the opportunity to grab a pog at some point in your life, just please do yourself a favor and try one. They're amazing, amazing, amazing little devices. Javier, thank you very much. And if you want to hear more Javier right now on our Patreon, you can go and check out the second episode of The Gear Garage entitled Deconstructing an Anthem, taking three songs and looking at where they started and how on the live stage they turned into three of the biggest songs in the Pearl Jam catalog. And that's Alive, Corduroy, and Given a Fly. Awesome stuff. And there'll be more from him in the future. Trust me on this. We are working Javier hard out there in Iowa. And again on Evenflow, and Jeremy sounds a little bit winded, so he needs those moments for the crowd to just back him up, and the crowd is more than welcome to have the participation on their sides. So what's interesting after Jeremy is that it's just a weird, quirky kind of note here, but the disc one 
boot ends, Ed says something after the song, and the disc two starts with the same thing. Like, you would think that they would be more mindful of that, right? Yeah. That was strange. It is what it is. Uh, you could do better. But what you can't do better is maybe you can't do better Love Boat Captain than this. Mm. There are a lot of versions of Love Boat Captain that deserve to be top of the top piece to resistance. We had one this past year that, again, might be the best and most important moment of this tour. And again, whenever the song comes up, it's a highlight because what they're continuing to do with this is even delve into it more and more and more and play with it, work with it. What we get here is we get a very cool improv in the beginning, which is going to be basically the lead into what we know as the jam. song fully breaks free and pushes right into what we know as the Jump Jack Flash Jam. I mean, it's unlike anything else that they have in their catalog. And it's so on point and it's so tight that, again, I think they're running on pure just energy and feeling it from everything on this. Like, this is a perfect version of Love Boat Captain. And I think like I said, there are a lot that you can say are the number one versions of all time, but boy, I'd have to throw this one into the mix here. Absolutely. And I mean, look at the date of the show. It's July 1st. Yeah. You're you're right around the time of Roskill. They hadn't played, I think, in a few days. So they had some time to come up with this. And yeah, you knew being in Europe, being on around the date of Roskill, you were going to get Lobo Captain here. And yeah, this is an inspired performance. Of course, whenever Ed is going to do an improv on something, you know, you've got my attention. You've got me at that point. And this one is fantastic. Again, it feels like he's just going off the cuff, just thinking about about you know everything that happened at the beginning like won't be quiet won't mind my manners but then he goes on like when he use my voice when he use everything i got we all deserve to know like yeah just a an absolutely epic performance and yeah one of the best of all time hands down he's just emphasizing the lyrics in a way that like you know this is deep rooted in something passionate that brings out a little bit of anger and just a little bit of focus in him and I think those lyrics 
although Ross Killam obviously on the mind, I think it's also politically motivated as well. As we know, you know who at the time was on everybody's minds and making everybody really pissed off. But you can tell that the band is in a good mode at this. And although I love the improv, I really love how they finish this. They're locked in. The love exchange at the end and then the big bounce back jam to basically extend that for longer. I have no words. It's perfect Pearl Jam. It's again, it's one of their most underrated songs that absolutely is one of the best ones that a lot of people don't talk about as much as they should. And yeah, this performance is maybe the best of the show. I I mean, I don't know where you go from there. Like, can you go up? Like, you would think not. Beatles. Beatles. Oh my God. I remember hearing this on the live stream. And back then, I was having goosebumps. And this is the first time they did the help and the help help. And I had goosebumps at this moment because I had no idea what this was going to go into. But just the way that his vocals are so delicate on this and it's just him in the spotlight and the crowd comes in and the crowd after like a line or two is like oh holy shit this is what's going on here when I was younger so much younger than today never needed anybody's help in any way Gone. I'm not so self-assured I find I changed my mind I opened up the door Help me if you can feel it And I do appreciate your being this point got goosebumps listening to that that's how good that was and that brings me back to a place of just anything can fucking happen at a Pearl Jam show and they can make gold and not just that but they go into one of my favorite obscure deep cuts that they have in Help Help and (laughs) when they put stuff together like this this is them thinking and knowing that this is going to be for the hardcore fan that gets it. Yeah, another one that came back at Safeco, a really memorable moment, but hasn't appeared since. Uh, yeah, I wish they would bring this back. I love this being with Help Cubed, I guess we'll call it. But I love too, like, again, you're talking about building off a of Lobo Captain. It almost feels like Help could have been an outro of Lobo Captain, like, yeah. could have fit right in and into that, just it fits thematically. 
it gives the crowd again something to latch onto that they know and yeah the transition from helping to help help is very good and it just fits perfectly you're like why haven't they been doing this since 2003 it just makes so much sense i think something that maybe might be an underrated thought on this is that when you go from helping to help 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 is naturally a very dark and deep song that on the record i don't think really attracts you at first listen but 2018 was the first time where i was like whoa i think i actually like this song now instead of just kind of passing it by on the record be like hmm, okay it is what it is but like it really kind of got me to open my eyes to it and the way that they're playing it here does feel a little bit more approachable a little bit more straight up rock and roll instead of being overtly dark and kind of doing some of the effects and putting in the air of mystery on it i think there's a moment in this where ed's doing the tell me lies tell me lies tell me and his inflection is going up which in a song that is taken a little bit more seriously wouldn't necessarily have that part and it seems like he's kind of making more of a fun aspect to it because help is such a very poppy sing-along kind of song that you sort of need help help to kind of have a little bit of that instead of it being totally dark like the crowd needs a little something after to latch on to too and I, I think it works from all areas and all aspects it balances out the tone of it a little bit there are some really good versions of help help from 2003 but it's one that never really found the sticking power in the set like nobody ever really latched onto it i think so it just kind of faded away and then but yeah a couple of times here in 2018 but we haven't seen it since so we have exhausted our conversations about <laughs> state of love and trust and spin a black circle we all know okay yeah they're not going to play these two songs together again but state of love and trust is definitely a highlight of the show because ed is very reliant on the crowd's help the whole entire show so far but this time him and mike actually go down the stairs go into the crowd and he's like okay you guys gave it to me up there and that's my spot i'm gonna go down to you guys and get it now he goes down with the mic and they just start singing all together and having a moment of it video on YouTube that is just that part right from the rail where you get to see everything you get to see people's faces and it's a really fun moment and sometimes when they do it on porch and stuff like that it's like okay you get it and it's done a lot but it felt special at this moment it felt deserving it felt like the crowd was given a little bit of a bonus for everything that they've done to help make the show really really good so far yeah and after a couple of riot act deep cuts you need something that's going to get everybody going again and one that everybody knows and yeah state of love and trust is great spin the black circle too the ending i thought was absolutely fantastic just tearing the song apart there at the end sounded very very good so yeah definitely bringing the energy back on these two 
And I'll just say it again, that transition between the two, I fucking love it. did it then they just can't do it now that's the only thing do you want it now of course you want it every single time but you want it to be at their best capacity and they know it's not a thing for the future really spin the black circle being played at all at this day and age or pin the black circle for that matter should be something that is seen as important because it's another really tough song so all right, let's get into Better Man here. And as a reference to Vaclav Haval from earlier saying that he was a big fan of the Velvet Underground, Ed's going to go back to this, save it for later, the normal save it for later tag. He's going into I'm Waiting for the Man, and he's doing it in that very Lou Reed voice. I'm waiting for the man, and he's doing all that. And he keeps singing at the end of that. He's like, I'm waiting for a better man. And that was yeah, a really was- cool add to it. great version too i mean the little jam before the tag is great stones on an acoustic at least the acoustic pedal which gives it a little bit more of a anthemic kind of feel to it a little more kind of folksier and like triumphant kind of feel to it sounded really good but yeah i love throwing in the little i'm waiting for the man there for vaklav again just a little throwback to earlier in the set that's really funny and cool that's actually not the history moment that i was talking right. about so right well again we'll get to something so porch here i just have to bring up because in 2018 it was death taxes and porch ending the main set and i dug into it a little further and maybe it's less so than i thought because it does end the main set of 21 of these 26 shows however one of those shows didn't have an encore at all but porch was placed in the spot where the encore would be and that was a festival show. And then the other show, again, Porch placed in the spot where the encore would be, but there would only be a encore of a live and rockin' free world, I believe. And I think that was the festival where Jack White came out and played with them. So mm, yeah. there are three legitimate moments where either Better Man or Rear Mirror closed the main set instead of Porch, but Porch was played at every single one of them. And you can see why. It's a massive show stealer. It's that moment where it's kind of the celebration of what we just saw in the main set from help, help to help to love Bo Cabin to Trevor Christ and everything in between. Porch just takes it and runs with it. I thought Cameron had a monster performance on Porch. Just driving there at the end sounded amazing. I wanted to give him some credit on this one. Just Porch, you're looking at live footsteps here, like 15 shows in Europe. It looked like Porch, Even Flow, Do the Evolution, and Alive were the only ones that were played at all. 15 shows. So, yeah, no surprise there. 
interesting the comparison to this year is that in eight shows only one of them was played at all eight so that's the true way you know you're shaking it up and also porch i think was five or four of them which is is low Mm. that you'd think for porch yeah all right we are at the encore so let's pause for station identification and talk about our last week where we have this massive surge of patrons right now we are going to thank precisely 16 people right here so let's start off by thanking josh ulry randy grice kimmy byram leslie alexander chip Reves, lowell brown Jared Jackson is back, and a big thank you to Jared Jackson, who ended up streaming the shows in Austin, I believe he did in Fort Worth as well, on YouTube, and they looked amazing, and the sound was really good quality, so I just want to thank him for doing that, and he's rejoined after a couple months of being out on the Horizon Light tier, so that's always very, very thankful for that, so thank you, Jared, for jumping back in. Matthew Olguin. Let's go to page two here. <laughs> Blake Yantis, KB, Barbara Spence Orsolitz, Michael Keating, who's coming back for the first time in a while. So welcome back, Michael. Rebecca Miller, Katie Mathiasis, Matthew Godsey, and Stock Griff. All new patrons that I'm sure were really intrigued by the instant reaction episodes, which all new patrons is, is well and good. And we love everybody that, and thank everybody that joined in on that. But to go a step further and people just, you know, sending me personal messages and commenting on things saying that the instant reaction episodes were extremely well done. And they're really thankful to have them that we feel good about that because that's something, again, we're doing something at that moment where we can involve other people that are on site that are very excited about what just happened and kind of have that rub off you. And even in my case and maybe your case at at some points, you kind of do live vicariously through, you know, Anthony or Patrick or Javier or whoever else that were at these shows at, you didn't get to see much else outside of your computer chair. You know what I mean? Yeah, thanks to all those patrons. That's, again, an amazing turnout for the end of the thing. And I hope you guys get a chance to go on liveonfourlegs.com and dig into some of the back catalog of Patreon episodes. But it was so nice to talk to all those people. You got to go to a few. I didn't get to go to any. So I was kind of living vicariously through everybody who was there. And everybody was so energetic. And we were just passing the phone around and talking to different people. People were popping in and popping out. And I hope that really came through on the recording, just the energy, because we've talked about it so many times. The shows were just fantastic and great, and hope that came through on the recording. I think it did. I listened to a couple of them. I was very, very impressed. So the one thing I'll say to you guys right now is that I know a lot of you did join up just specifically for the tour reaction. But look, we have a brand new evolution episode coming out. If you haven't listened to any of the evolution episodes, you still have a couple days left before the end of the month and you have access to the end of the month. If you decide that you're not going to go further with Patreon here, that the do the evolution evolution episode should be out before the last day of the month that you'll be able to listen to that. But that's something that we're working on right now. And we're going to have that out for you, but also 
there are about 21, 22 other episodes of that evolution series where we're taking a song starting from its very, very beginning, the early stages of it, and seeing how it has evolved into what it's become for the future. And I mean, there's songs, clear crowd favorites like Present Tense and Release and Footsteps and Rearview Mirror, like name one of those kind of songs and we have probably done it so far and do the evolutions nice little challenge because there are 549 versions of it so there's a lot to go through but i think you guys will really enjoy what we bring to the table on that so if you didn't get to join patreon in the instant reaction era i suppose then you can do so right now you can head on over to patreon.com slash live and four legs and you can check out what we got. Again, there's a lot of stuff there. We've been working on this for five years, and we've built up a really, really good catalog. Late night episodes focusing on Letterman and SNL shows and other shows of those elk. And Bridge School shows are all on there, and even some extra bonus stuff that we've done in the past I think you guys will really like as well. But the Evolution episodes, that's something. It's evergreen. You guys will be able to really enjoy what we've put together for those. So, again, patreon.com slash liveonfourlegs, or go to liveonfourlegs.com and click the Become a Patron button. Or if you like apps, just download the Patreon app and search for, you guessed it, Live on Four Legs. All right, back to The Rock. Ed says, wow, this is incredible energy that you're giving us tonight. Thank you so much. We thank everyone here local and all the travelers from South America, Italy, Mexico, Spain, Denmark. And then he talks about a show, this is a cool little story, in 1996, where they got stuck at the border going into Prague, I believe it was. And he says it usually takes the crew eight or nine hours to set up, but they got held back so long that they only had two and a half hours to set the whole thing up, and they did it. And it was coming together to make a good show for the people that were waiting out in a very, very cold. It was November when they were over there. So he gives a shout out to Rob within the crew and says he's here again tonight working. So just thank you for getting us here tonight. And then says... There's a request out there, a couple good requests out there, and two were for All or None. Slight problem, we don't know all of that song. In fact, we kind of know none of that song. But we do know a little bit of the or. We'll work on it. And goes on to say, my family met some nice people in Sylvania, and we'd like to play this one for them. Man of the Hour, going to be back-to-back with The End, and Man of the Hour is just picking up where they left off here. Another very triumphant and powerful song from this night. That bridge where they're connecting that chorus to the end of the song, I mean, that skyrockets.
sounds incredible and probably has a lot to do with the acoustics in the arena but the way his voice just resonates through that song just gives it so much more weight and so much more power how did we not get this this year it seems like would have fit right in and what was going on this year early on i would have loved to have heard it at one of these shows but you know it's just one of those things like another just fantastic song that was saved for a soundtrack that we're not going to get very often but Man of the Hour here, yeah, again, one of the highlights of this night for sure. He leading off this encore, it's really, really special. Crazy that it's only been played one other time since. Yeah, That's unbelievable. Just nuts. So on the end, I don't have too much on this, but it is interesting that they go from the full band to solo Ed. But I also go back to that echo that we heard in Nothing Man, and... Yeah, it's nothing, man. You're going to hear that crowd, like I mentioned before. But now this kind of solidified that I was hearing some of Ed's echo. I thought it maybe all of that was just crowd because you do hear the echo again. It's the choir songs where you're able to kind of pick up on it. And you do hear that echo again. All nods to the acoustics and how rich that sounds. Just very, very well done. All right, guys, this is where your history lesson comes in. Given a fly here. We get a lyric change to Made It to the Clock and Out of Smoke in the Tree. We made it to the clock, out of smoke in the tree. The wind rose up, set him down on his knee. I just want to say that the crowd is once again just bouncing on this. And they're clapping the whole entire time. There are some really cool clapping breaks and Ed's sort of starting that. It kind of feels like... It's the same sort of clapping when he starts on Hail Hail, almost. Did you get that from that? Yep. And there's going to be more clapping once they get into Unthought Known. But for your history lesson for tonight, the clock is actually a major landmark over in Prague. And it's the astronomical clock from the old medieval times installed in 1410. Yeah, the year 1410. Who who were you listening to in 1410? 1410. Um... Fugazi really, on loop. Some really early Gregorian monk chants. Some of their really early stuff. That's good shit. I think I got gotten a vinyl shortly after that. Now, it's sitting above its town hall, which is very, very cool, but this is the third oldest clock in the entire world. Wow. Astronomical clock, at least. Yeah. And I can see people that were traveling to this show and going to see all of the rich history that Europe has to bring. And seeing something like this has to be just a sight to behold. It looks great in pictures, and hopefully, if they ever actually play Prague again, because this was a canceled show last year, that other people and who knows maybe i'll make my way out there at one point and get to see that clock and get to see all the other very very cool pieces of european history that's out there so unthought known following up again you're giving moments to two very soaring songs very crowd pleasing songs and good reaction songs there was a really cool moment in unthought where the guitars kind of cut out for a second it's just ed singing over cameron that's like going into the you will be no one's rival part right 
right there. And it just for a second or two, but it sounded really unique compared to other little pieces of the song we've heard before. A lot of times it can get lost in between something like Given to Fly and something like Black, like Unthought Known feels a little bit like a filler there. But adding little twists in like that and make it a little bit more memorable. So yeah, well done. And yeah, Given to Fly and Unthought Known back to back, you're definitely hitting, like said, the soaring section full on there. Well, that's all nice and good, but I think it's all just leading up to Black. The indication that this is going to be a very crowd-friendly, participated song and it's going to be one of those surreal versions of Black is when, at the very beginning, going into the... Ed just says, it's all you. Go ahead, do that. The crowd takes the tattooed everything. They take, I'm spinning, whoa, I'm spinning, and they do it all here. Another one, just taking the moment and turning into something just triumphant the theme here for a lot of the songs man of the hour corduroy triumph cathartic moments if any song had a moment this year i think it's black every version this past few weeks was unbelievable and this one holds its own right there i think the only thing i wrote down for mike's thing here was goddamn yeah the crowd picks it back up at the end too just unbelievable performance you're getting a little bit of the ross killed hangover here too not hangover is probably not the right word but a little bit of that power and feeling behind this performance just like they did on love boat captain they're definitely channeling something intense on this performance Again, sort of like this surreal moment where it's only you and the sound that's coexisting together on this planet and you just lose yourself in it. Even just listening to it at a desk, you're just completely lost in the moment. It could have had something like a We Belong Together tag on it, but it feels like Ed just mostly leaves it to the band and the crowd to fill in that moment. And the response was spectacular. Excellent, excellent, excellent moment from the show. I think Mike covered everything he needed to say on this one. So while you're not going to get a spin the black circle, state of love and trust combo, I think there are still lots of great opportunities to do black in the rearview mirror nowadays because this should be evergreen for any era. Boy, one of the best back-to-backs you'll ever hear. It's another very supercharged version. Again, feeding off all that momentum from black. 
it's a Cameron heavy bridge just pulverizing this and taking it to areas where you know that he's going to take it to but boy you're still just impressed as to how heavy it can get and how fast and how driving it can get but you know what Stone has some highlights in this as well like these little high pitched plucked notes kind of wailing and balancing out all the distortion just very very good and very powerful on the back end too yeah, there's a lot of that, like, point-counterpoint going on. Stone's so good at that, at being the opposition to whatever's going on melodically, but still finding a way to make it fit and make it work. But this, for me, is about Cameron again, and just machine-gunning those fills at the end, just bringing it home, just absolutely thunderous. That was the highlight for me on this rearview mirror. Would you call those fills filthy? I would. at the end too adding a lot of very very flashy electric stuff going right into the ending while Ed's still doing the saw thing so much clearer and yeah big ending the crowd just ate it all alive and how could they not right from here given a fly unthought known black river mirror you're like okay those are all big time live songs and you're gonna finish with four more so to start Encore 2, they're going to go around to the back behind the counter, do a version of Small Town that actually left me kind of stunned because I think in like 2018 and onward, it's all about like, hey, sing with me, everybody. Let's do this all together. Let's be in this all together. But it was a very anthemic feel to this instead of the campfire version and you get lost in that a little bit too just swaying your head back and forth and just feeling that rhythm and the power that's coming off of it again triumphant is the theme and this right in like a glove fits when you get an elderly woman this late you know it's going to have some power behind it because you're getting to the celebratory part of the show and the crowd's eager to get one more big song in and small town gives them that opportunity before you get to the quote-unquote bread and butter two-thirds of it here but yeah even played to the back it can sometimes feel a little bit smaller but this one felt really big we're gonna end alive rocking in the free world indifference an indifference kind of night I mean, it's all celebratory. Like I kind of mentioned with some of the songs, it's a great example of the acoustics and the band just using the entire room to feel anthemic. That's what I found from Alive and the big celebratory moment with everybody pumping their fists and shouting hey back at the band and the band capitalizing on all of it. Of course, it is exactly how you want to see these shows end. It's one of those things where you know it's about to end and yeah, in Chicago this year during a live both nights, I get a little teary eyed knowing, okay, well, this is it. And this show is going to end very, very shortly, but you use all that and you kind of feed off that. And you're like, let's take this home. Let's take this home and let's have one last big, big moment. But rocking in the free world sounds excellent here too with Mike with an amazing solo and stone with a very groovy, funky solo happening in here. But it does 
do a little like back and forth with the crowd and then he singles out somebody with an orange mask and I, I, I didn't go back and watch the video for this but I'm wondering if that was you know the kind of orange mask that you would be talking about in 2018 yeah probably I, I didn't see it in the video either but you gotta think that's what it is I think he throws into a lot of people saying they're Canadian which a lot of people are bringing up the embarrassed to be from America at this point and then yeah the breakdown on this is very very good and then you mentioned Mike and Stone doing the solos almost dueling solos they're going at the same time like kind of a guitar hero mode there yeah uh, you don't usually get that in Rock in the Free World but they were really going for it a million points of light for every man let's make it good I like that change and I thought the Canadian thing wasn't necessarily an embarrassed to be American but I thought it was just more of a we're playing in the alien song but I could be wrong mm-hmm. or it could be yeah, both it could be both yeah the transition between rocking in the free world to get into indifference it just went directly in there's no waste of time there's no like all right everybody thanks we got one more for you they're gonna do a whole thing at the end here where ed singles everybody out and has something to say about everybody and mike's pants and stuff like that so you're having another fun moment with the crowd singing some of those lines that classic classic moment that you have that back and forth on i'll swallow poison obviously like that's a great way to end the show not every single one of them has to end with lead better and this one stands out definitely and again cameron i'm mentioning again i love the heavy roles on this giving it a little bit of emphasis a little bit of drama adding those really heavy tom rolls on indifference is very very cool While I won't go through what Ed says about every single person here, I do like what he had to say about himself. He's like, look, I do the set list, I drink a bunch of wine, and I do it all for you. He doesn't love to talk about himself in that fashion and be like, oh, you know, and and I'm the greatest lead singer. He would never say something like that. Yeah, he's never going to go, Eddie Vedder, and like hold his arms out and want the big applause for himself. Yeah, absolutely. Right, and that's why at the end of our theme song, you hear him say, oh, you can call me Al, you can call me Ed, just call me, why don't you? Like, that's his normal sort of thing. But in here, he's, like, giving himself some credit, but also giving the crowd credit that I'm not here drinking wine and doing set list if it's not for you. So, especially a crowd like this that was on fire the whole entire night, they deserved to hear that. So, very, very nicely done. Very, very nice show. There are a lot of great moments from this. So. Let's start with you. What do you think for your top oh, three? Yeah, this is tough. My number three is going to be Corduroy. My number two is Black. And my number one is Lobo Captain. Oh, that's very, very close. That's very much in the wheelhouse of what I have. And I'm going to go for it with honorable mentions to Man of the Hour, Tremor Christ, which I always love. My number three is also going to be Corduroy. But my number two is going to be help into help help. That's undeniable for me. I had to include that here. And then my number one, as wax poetically from both sides, it's Love Boat Captain. Just a perfect version of this. Rating on this, I mean, it's going to be high. This has the kind of intangibles that you want. It has a great crowd, some great deep cuts, some big moments. All in all, I'm going to give this one a nine. Right there. This is a nine for me, too. This is a great example of somebody pitching us a show that we know not nothing about, but like it's not something that we're like, hey, John, 
we got to go and cover Prague 2018 really soon because that's, yeah, that's it would have easily one. been it would have easily been five or six years before we got to this probably sure and that's why we love the Patreon request because yeah. it, it does yeah. give us that insight to what their experiences are and and see from kind of their viewpoint but also it's an opportunity for us to give you a show that maybe you weren't paying attention to as much either obviously the ones from Europe as I said earlier it's going to be that London show to end that run where they rescheduled. And it's also going to be the Rome show in the Stadio Olimpico because literally that show had everything get played. And wise, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a classic one for the ages. So when it comes to Prague, not a big country in Czech Republic, it's Eastern Europe and not Spain or Italy or a place like that. That's more, I guess, a desirable vacation location. But they absolutely put their mark on this, and it should be listened to by anybody that considers themselves a connoisseur of this band. But not just listen, but like pay attention to it and really study it like we always do. And I, I, I thank all the people that, and, and it's usually like our close friends that are always doing this, but I'm hearing this a lot from both Dakota and Joey lately that they're like, tell me what's coming up because I want to gather the bootleg and go listen to the bootleg before listening to the episode. Everybody should do that. So that way you get a sense of what we're talking about. And we're not trying to sell this show to you. You're just trying to see where you match with us. That will improve your intake of what we do tremendously. So try it. If you you can find the time, it's definitely worth it. Try it with next week's episode. Because next week we are doing Winnipeg 2005 our first 2005 in a very long time. And that happens to be a request from Pete cassette. That is not something that I would have forgotten about in five years. Cause that's a birthday date show for me. So it's always going to be on my mind. I'm always going to want to do it. So very excited to take the opportunity and also get somebody else's enjoyment and excitement for the show. So if you do want to go out and check out a boot and then go back and listen to the episode right afterwards, then this would be the one to do this week. Go and do it for Winnipeg 2005. I think you guys will be astounded by the results and the effects from that. So there you have it. All right. Well, that does it for this episode. If you follow us on social media, then thanks. We appreciate that, especially all the brand new Twitter followers, all the brand new people that came over to the Pearl Jam podcast community group because there were a ton of you that found out that we were doing live streams and stuff. So I thank everybody for figuring out. And and just again, it's about spreading the word and the more that the people spread the word to you guys, the more that you're going to be apt to spread the word to everybody else, which is why I say every single show that if you're not subscribed to us on one of the major platforms or wherever you decide that is your preferred podcast listening of choice platform, but Apple, Spotify are the ones that most people are going to gravitate towards. There is a rating scale on there. You can give us a five-star rating if you choose. We feel like we deserve it because we've put the effort and the love into the show just as much as any other podcast that's out there. Also, Apple. You can go on Apple. You can leave us a comment as well and let us know what you think. Big shout out to somebody that just left us a comment recently. I'd be very interested to see if he's listening at this moment because this is a guy that 
ended up sitting next to Javier and I in Chicago and he would get excited for these songs and then he'd turn to me and be like ask a question or something and I'd give him a little detail behind it you know whether it be like some clarity towards something and he was looking at me by the end of the night he's like you're the Pearl Jam Godfather, man. And okay, if you want to say that, but like, it was just very kind words. And then directly after the show, I noticed that he left us a really nice comment on being impressed by being able to be at a show with somebody that kind of had the contact. So I, I, I thank him. I can't remember a name. I know he has a hot dog joint. I think it's Josh, actually. I think the guy's name is Josh. So I just want to thank and single out Josh. And if he's listening, then um, hey, join our podcast community group on Facebook or just email us at live on four lights podcast gmail.com and let's continue our conversation. That's the thing. His comment can reach out one of the guys that's not paying attention that just needs a Pearl Jam podcast to listen to in their spare time. And if they see Pearl Jam Godfather, oh well I like the Godfather movies and I like Pearl Jam, so I guess that works for me. You never know sometimes. People find their ways to things in the weirdest ways possible. But as long as people are listening, as long as people are getting the memories restored for them, that's all we ask for. And we're satisfied either way. So thank you for everybody for tuning into this one. Officially, let's say goodbye right here. This may be the end. We're here, but not for much longer. And although we may be parting ways, miss you already, miss you always. All from Prague to Winnipeg, two places that couldn't be more further apart from cultures and everything else but they do get good pearl jam shows if that's a similarity that every location can have then that's fine by us we will talk to you next week and talk about all the above see you then i hear you i think they got it Love, 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 love.